I'm Sharon Batters, and you're listening to the Help and Hope podcast produced by Mark Inc. Ministries. And we are going to be talking about a topic that is really near to my heart. Our vision for Mark Inc. is to offer help and hope to hurting people. And our guest today is Anne-Marie Goudsward and also Janian Wilson. And we're going to be talking about how women and men can partner in ministry in a way that brings that help and hope. It can be preventative, but it can also be equipping and coming alongside of especially women who are in very broken places and find themselves hidden and unseen in the church because they just don't know where to go. So welcome, Anne-Marie. I am so grateful that you are here today with us and Janian. Before we jump into our topic, Anne-Marie, tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you so much, Sharon and Janian, and thank you for having me on this program. I really appreciate getting the word out there about our ministry and about the book that we wrote about it. Um, yes, I am a biblical counselor. I'm a domestic abuse and abuse advocate, um, and I do have a passion for those things happening within the church. So um, fits well with the ministry that we have at Christ Covenant that does this. I'm married to um, my husband, Bob. He is the director of pastoral care at our church. And I am mother to three, plus three <laughs> loved ones, and then grandmother to 11. And we have one of my twins has twins on the way. Um, so we will have 13 <laughs> um, fairly soon, prayerfully. Um, keep those in your prayers. But um, yeah, so we keep pretty busy around here. <laughs> Ministry and children keep us busy. That sounds very familiar. We have 14 grandchildren and two great-grandchildren. So love the family aspect of our lives too. So Janie Ann, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm lagging behind a little bit for you guys because we have only three grandchildren, but one more on the way this month. I live in Delaware most of the year, but we have two granddaughters in Florida. So we are in Florida quite a bit and visit Virginia as well, where our grandson is. And we have enjoyed serving in the church for years. And I had the opportunity to serve as the regional advisor on our national team, women's ministry team for the PCA. I am very excited about this podcast because it is something near and dear to my heart as well. So let's jump right in. Anne-Marie, I've mentioned that there are women in our churches who are hurting, sometimes invisible, because they're ashamed or they feel guilty or whatever the reason may be. Describe kind of like a perfect setup of how would a woman find the help that she needs if the ministry that we're going to be talking about today were to be in place? Well, my hope would be that she would have trust in her leaders and that would be man, male and female leaders, pastors, and the women in her church, that she would feel safe in the environment that she's in so that she can share her story. You are absolutely correct. More often than not, I find that women, including myself at times, would prefer to suffer in silence than to actually approach someone. Um, but also for myself, I find that when I do, it's God's bomb for my soul to have a woman walking beside me. The perfect scenario would start with that safe environment, that trusted environment where pastors and elders and shepherds and sessions and leaders and women's leaders all exhibit a compassion for human life, for human experience, 
Not that they have to take sides on situations or in circumstances. They are looking for an environment where conversation happens and conversation is okay. You don't have to come to your leaders fixed. You don't have to come completely holy and sanctified, but you can come broken and hurting and looking for help. I would say opposite of Ezekiel 34 would be the criteria for a church leadership, like I said, male and female, to create that safe environment, that trusted environment. Um, but then next, I would, I would hope that the women would surround her well, come alongside. And like I said, they would be a voice for her to their leaders and also be a voice to her from her leaders. And that's a really fine line to walk. And it's a hard one, honestly. It's something that we've learned, I think, in our church in trial and error, but to represent the thoughts of the pastors and represent their own as an advocate trust of those leaders and faith and love for those leaders to the woman that they're helping goes a, a, a really long way. But then also to take what she's saying and then use your language, because we all speak female, women speak women, <laughs> and, and translate that for the leaders. And even sometimes I find this often in the work that I do, I have to sift through everything they've said or written to me and pull out a lot of what the leaders might find important to know. So, and you can hear this, I think, as I'm talking, it's a relationship. Our shepherdesses at Christ's covenant tend to have those relationships I'd say for life, but that, you know, we're all still living, but we are, we continue in those relationships even after the crisis is over. So it's a friendship. Um, I mean, it's as simple as that. It's a friendship. But then also I'd like to see in a perfect world, having those pastors and women then form a team that surrounds the woman that, that caters to the cares and needs that she has specifically. So if there's a financial need, a deacon might be included, or if there's some form of specialized counseling needs, somebody maybe from the culture, from community would come in. Um, I think of domestic advocacy is one of those big things. Abuse advocacy is another. But to bring in those specialized trained people to, to the team and just surround her with the resources that she needs to be able to move through that crisis, but then also pray with her, meet with her. And so if you have a team too, you have people in multiple ways, meeting with her. It's not all on the pastor to do that all the time. So that would be my next perfect scenario is to have that team kind of surround her. And then just that team being very cognizant of what they're, not that they can't cross over, but what their duties are. So she never falls through the cracks. Um, we find that that happened so much before our ministry is women and even horrific circumstances fell through the cracks because our pastors are busy. Our sessions are busy. They have, you know, sermons to prepare. They have committees to oversee. I work with presbyteries and I can't believe the additional time our pastors and elders put in above and beyond even their own local church. So we provide as women as well, coming into these situations, we provide another level of care for their shepherding um, that they can't always be on top of as much as we can. So Wow. Uh, there's a lot in there. I just want to say thank you for writing the book, Help Her, because it is such a timely gift to the church. And in the book, you say, the commitment to love our sisters and care for them well does not require a specific skill set. It involves a mindset. So 
what is the responsibility of a shepherdess? Well, there's the technical responsibility, (laughs) which is in the back of the book. Um, If you're looking for it, it's one of the appendices. But let Mm -hmm. me answer that from the non-technical perspective first. It's a mindset of competency and it's a mindset of calling. It's probably more than that, but I'll just pick those two. So first of all, competency. I can't even remember now how many one another's there are in the New Testament. I want to say it's over 100. So that tells you that there's something, first of all, that we're competent to do and that we're called to do in the church, in the body, as believers. It's not as a shepherdess, as a pastor. It's as a believer in the body, as a member, we are called and are competent to serve one another, care for one another, love one another, um, build up one another, you know, all of the one another's you can think of. So that's the mindset. It isn't the professional pastor's responsibility to care for the body. Ephesians 4, I think, is it 11? says that it's their responsibility, our leader's responsibility to build up the saints to do the ministry of the body. So it's not a disconnect either. It's not pastors go do this, we go do that. It's them building us up, preparing us to care for the body, and then us taking that responsibility further and being intentional. So this is one of the things I love. Karen Hodge says this, she calls it walking the halls. And that's the mindset. We don't just go to church on Sunday morning and sit there and take in, get up and walk out, maybe see our friends, say hi. We are called specifically in this ministry now to be intentional and to walk the halls and see who's hurting, see who's crying with somebody else while they're praying together after the service. Pull out the woman who was crying during the service, during the worship songs. You know, if you hear in the pastor's prayer, somebody died in the congregation, reach out to that family, to that woman and just say, I'm, I'm here. I'm sorry for your loss. I'm praying for you in the background. What's the hardest thing for you right now? Let me know. You know, anything just to touch base with her. So that's the unofficial, what does a shepherdess do? But in an official ministry, there are several other things, I guess. Meet individually as requested by the either the ministry coordinator or the pastor or the team, or even the woman who reaches out to you on a need base serve on that team with accountability. So we love the fact that we are accountable to our pastors and elders in these teams. It's not up to us to tell them, you know, for instance, the the most difficult question in a marriage, like infidelity situation, is it okay for me to divorce? I don't have to answer that question. I say it's, you know, unique to every situation and thank God it's on our leaders. It's the mantle on them to work through with you. I don't have to say anything, you know, um, definitively about that. They serve on that team. They're accountable to the pastor. They provide what we call pastoral preventative, not licensed professionals. And we do not pretend to be. And all of our quote unquote advice is pastoral, meaning it comes from the word of God. Sometimes it comes directly from the sermon we heard on Sunday. So very much pastoral in that way preventative in that we're walking the halls. We're trying to collect crises before they become, you know, blown up, which so often happens. They also, the women who are in an official ministry, they guard confidentiality. We have a very specific confidentiality statement may or may not be legal wherever you live. So you have to be careful with that, but it's something that we, we dignify the woman with by guarding 
and then I think I've said this, serve as a bridge for women to other ministries, like if they need the diaconate, or maybe they need somebody from the children's ministry for their children. Like I said, outside the outside the biblical community into the world, into the surrounding community, they might need somebody from there. We say to serve a four-year term and then a sabbatical year is offered, but we don't really see it happening that technically. <laughs> we see women having to take a break after a certain case. Um, and then we see women who never take a break. <laughs> so, and then just participating also in anything that we offer that could advance their training. I just wrapped up a 12-week, well, it happened over longer than that every other week, but 12-week training on domestic advocacy in the church. And it's not an official, if you went to the local shelter and had the training that they offer, but it is kind of a, just to lift the blinders from some of our shepherdesses eyes in such a way that they'll recognize abuse when it's happening. So now we have actually 12 more women who are in tune with the dynamics of abuse. We've done specialized training, not only with domestic abuse, but peacemaking. We've done specialized training with uh, shepherdesses make themselves available for those trainings once they've committed to the to the ministry. And Marie, everything you're saying, it's amazing. It's wonderful. It's incredible and overwhelming. So for those of you who are listening, um, my guest today is Anne-Marie Goudsward and Jane Ann Wilson is here as part of the conversation. I'm going to ask her a question in a minute. And Anne-Marie has co-authored a book called Help Her. And while you may be listening and saying, that sounds like the perfect world, the perfect church, I wish I could go to that church. My church could never do that. I, I want to recommend that you get a copy of the book because in the back are all the practical nuts and bolts that you would need to get started. And yes, it will be overwhelming at first, but Janie Ann, why don't you tell us about how your church started a similar ministry and what a difference has it made in your church? Well, I really think our shepherding ministry came about out of necessity and it just kind of unfolded. I I don't think anyone intended it except, of course, for God um, and who really carried us along step by step. A woman in our church began to tell me about the struggles in her marriage that day, and it really caught me by surprise, and I felt kind of paralyzed by what she told me. She'd been in counseling for years, and we worked together on this, and it just seemed like no matter how much we prayed and applied the scripture, the situation was getting worse. And so at a women's conference, I asked the speaker to to meet up with her, and that speaker was someone from Anne Marie's church. And after hearing my friend's story, she suggested that there was abuse that needed to be addressed. And so we knew our leadership was probably not prepared to deal with this. And the good thing is that they knew that too. And Anne-Marie had not written this book. So we, we needed help. And by God's grace and sovereign care, a man in our church offered anonymously to bring one of Anne-Marie's pastors, Bernie, along with the head of their shepherding ministry to come and, and visit with our church for the weekend to meet with our leadership. And our pastor in session agreed to this plan. And the weekend included women and men, leadership, women and men. We gathered and we heard God's heart for shepherding oppressed women and how a shepherding ministry could help our church become a safe place for hurting women to heal. None of us would ever be the same after that. 
and neither would our church. And, and that's what our pastor said. So our session appointed a committee of three elders and two women to develop a shepherding ministry for women in our church. And about a year later, we commissioned 12 shepherding associates. We're not, our church is not, it's like three or 400. I'm not good with numbers, but you know, it's not like we're a mega church or anything. But they went through a year of training that was led by the shepherding committee, which included three elders. And they were just as unsure as anybody as what are we getting into here and just taking it one step at a time, following the model of, of Anne Marie's church. So what difference has it made? Oh my, it, it changed the vision that our leadership has for, for all of us to shepherd one another, like you're talking about Anne Marie. And our pastor has stated from the pulpit that we're not going to avoid the messy situations of life. And we will be a safe place for hurting people, especially women. Usually our leaders are the last ones to know, you know about a, a messed up situation. And they didn't like being the last ones to know. They wanted to be there for, for women, for people before that point where it's all falling apart. And they felt frustrated that here we are in the last chapter. The shepherding ministry has become a ramp, like an on-ramp for preventative care. You know, you have a chance to help before relationships are falling apart. And it's usually women who are going to reach out for that help. And they are, they're not going to reach to a man. <laughs> you know, they're going to reach to another woman. And so this is, this is a way for them to get connected. And I think another way, another neat thing to me about it is that older women who um, maybe have begun to feel a little less valued or a little unsure of their purpose are able to use all of their years of experience and growth in such a purposeful way. So their gifts are maximized at a time when maybe they've even begun to feel a little less useful. Um, and that's just such a healthy flourishing, you know, among the women that have this opportunity to serve. I can't imagine our church without this shepherding ministry and our, and our leadership really sees it as an ally to care well for the congregation. Jane, I, I love what you're saying about your church. I've kind of been a little mouse watching as this has developed and have wished so much for so many other churches to bring this into their lives and into the hearts of their women and the hearts of their leadership. It's making such a huge difference. I can see it. It's so tangible. Speak to the woman who is listening and says, we need this. We, this is what I've been wanting. I'm longing for this, but I'm not sure how to approach my leadership. What advice would you give? That is actually one of the most frequent questions that we get out in public when we're speaking about this. And one of the answers is read the book. But also we have heard from presbyteries and sessions that they are reading the book together with in churches with the woman, the women in their church, women ministry leaders, or those who have a passion for this, who brought it to their leadership. It's, it's a book written by Bernie and myself, male and female. So it is a, a good resource for both the session, the pastor, the presbytery even, and the woman. So read the book. But we do actually, every, every time we've spoken about it since the release, we've also talked about how a woman can approach her leadership, yes. But that always begins with prayer, um, praying that the leaders will have discerning minds to know how to govern their people. And that if it's the right thing to do, if this ministry is the right thing to do in their church, that their leaders would see that 
But in the meantime, it's not like you're waiting around for your leaders to come around. There is a posture, I think, that is just so very important. In the book of Kings, when Josiah, when they find the word of God again, the priest, Hilkiah, the first person he went to with that book for interpretation was Huldah. Now, that's not because there wasn't another prophet available. Jeremiah was prophesying at that time. But, um, and I won't speculate why Hilkiah went there. But I will describe Huldah as a woman who was faithfully living out her call, her specific call in her life, which if you can, if you can believe this, her husband was a priest. So she was the keeper of the wardrobe, which means more often than not, she was washing clothes. That was her calling. (laughs) And more often than not, those clothes were covered in blood um, from the sacrifices. So that's, that's who Huldah was. But she was also known for the love and caregiving and the one anothering that we talked about with other women. So perhaps she was even, you know, reciting God's words in her head as she was rinsing out the blood from her husband's clothing. Um, But she became known, known well enough that the high priest knew that that was the person to go to, to help interpret the word of God. So what that means is women, if you're waiting for your leaders to quote unquote, get on board with getting a ministry like this in your church, don't wait to minister. Don't wait to serve. The first thing you need to be doing is sitting with the Lord daily. You need to be exegeting, exegeting the word well, using good resources, applying it to your own life. And then also just applying it in relationship with others, the the women in your immediate circles, the women, like I said, that you see hurting and giving them the word of God in those kind and gentle ways that help them progress in their journey. And when men see that, when leadership sees that, that's when they say, oh, okay, this would be helpful. I can give her this woman to help me with. You know, again, this is a perfect world situation, but there's not a time, um, I say this in, in the training and also I think I'd say it in the book, there's never a time where you're not preparing for this ministry. There's never a time when you're not working in this ministry, whether you have an official structure or not. That's so good um, and beautiful story about Halda. I just love that. I, I had heard all of that about her. So how precious. Another woman can't wait to meet when we're all in heaven. But as we wrap up, Anne-Marie, tell us about some of the supplemental training materials that are ready for release that when, when this podcast goes out, they will be available. Tell us what they are and how we can get them, please. Yes. So exciting. The uh, One of the other big questions we get, it's, it's usually about how do you structure, how do you get it, how do you get this ministry? But then once we describe it, even in the book, it can be overwhelming. And Janian might be able to speak a little bit about this, but because we do an intensive training. So the other question that we get is, well, what do you train? How do you train? So after the book was released, we created a plan with CDM, Discipleship Ministry Arm of the PCA, to produce a set of videos. So we have actually 40 40 videos, yes, of both half our training, half our our pastors, our leaders, our women, myself, our trainers, authors, training 10 sessions in biblical one another caregiving. And then we have um, 20 companion, what we call roundtable sessions, where four or five women and the trainer, teacher, sit and talk about what they just learned. So you get to listen to them interact with the material 
but then not only interact, but then apply it to their own lives, but then also the lives of the women that they're helping. So you watch these videos, but then what we added to it, which we have not even been doing at Christ's Covenant is a study guide. And man, is this a comprehensive study guide that the woman who's participating in the training can, can use on her own, in her own time. And it has case studies that you can go over together. So it's the videos, 40 set, and then the study guide. And then it has um, our, our recommended reading resources, 10 books that we recommend that somebody going through this training will read alongside the training that they're doing at pcacdm.org slash helper. And it's H-E-L-P-H-E-R. So you'll get the book there, the helper book. You can get the training, access to the training videos, order the study guide. And then it also has a link to the PCA bookstore where you can order any of the books that you might still not own that you would need to go through the whole program. Well, this is a lot to think about. And Anne-Marie, as you were talking about the training, I mean, that's intense. Um, You've covered everything, which is wonderful. Um, I was thinking about how long fruit takes to grow. And it takes a while. So those of you who are thinking about this, uh, you might be a little overwhelmed by it. Uh, I know that both Anne-Marie and Jane Ann would say, just take your time, be patient. And while you're doing that, serve, just as Anne-Marie has described a beautiful picture of serving. So I'm Sharon Batters, and this is the Help and Hope podcast produced by Mark Inc. Ministries. And my guests today have been Anne-Marie Goudsward, who is the co-author of Help Her, her uh, co-author is, is Bernie Lawrence, and we are going to have links to the book and to the training material that Anne-Marie has talked about at markinc.org, that's M-A-R-K-I-N-C.org, and Jadian Wilson, who has uh, been my guest as well. Uh, both of these women, I appreciate you both so much. I love your passion for the church and for God's people, and in particular, the women, uh, our sisters and the way that you are not just working in your own churches, but you're encouraging others to come alongside hurting people as well. And that just fits with the vision of Mark Inc. Mark Inc., our vision is to offer help and hope, especially to hurting people. So again, that's markinc.org, M-A-R-K-I-N-C.org. You can also go to the App Store and download our free app, which is called Help and Hope. We have many, many free resources that are designed to help turn your heart toward Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for listening to this Help and Hope podcast produced by Mark Inc. Ministries. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Visit markinc.org, M-A-R-K-I-N-C.org to find additional free resources on a variety of topics. Online counseling services are also available through Anchored Hope Biblical Counseling by visiting helpandhopenow.org. That's helpandhopenow.org. Download the Help and Hope app on your mobile device. Hope is just one click away.